This show is sponsored in part by Fortinet and the FortiGate 40F Firewall, part of the Fortinet Security Fabric for Retail, providing retailers with confidence on their digital transformation journey via industry-leading network, security, and management solutions. Learn more on how Fortinet helps retailers secure their branch, data center, and multi-cloud environments. For more information, go to fortinet.com forward slash retail. That's fortinet.com forward slash retail. You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast, episode number 14, August 27th, 2020. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? Drive-through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu, cooking up for the day. It's a recipe for success. You're in good hands with a tech chef. Make a plan to be your best. Strategize with the tech chef. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is your host and your tech chef, Skip Kimple. This is our monthly bonus episode, and I know you're going to enjoy this one. And just to let you know, if you are looking for technology tips and tricks, this bonus episode does not have any at all. Next Tuesday starts back with our regular schedule where the tech chef brings you all the latest and greatest restaurant and hospitality information. Our guest today, Fred Stokes, I met several months ago and I knew immediately I had to share his story. Back then, I didn't even have the show up and running yet, but he immediately came to mind as I started planning out my episodes. After playing a vital role in two national championship games for Georgia Southern University, Fred was drafted into the National Football League, where he played for several teams, including the 1991 Super Bowl champions, the Washington Redskins. Now, ironically, Fred's Redskins teammates affectionately labeled him as Big Play Stokes because of his knack of making a big play at the right time of a game. Fred is a highly sought-after keynote speaker, a writer who published an autobiography called The Bridge That Brought Me Over. He's also the owner of Fred Stokes Foods and runs an amazing foundation called Lint Brother, which we are going to talk about more in depth in this show. Joining me today, we have Fred Stokes from Fred Stokes Sausage. Well, I like to look at him as Fred Stokes Super Bowl champion. Fred, thank you so much for coming to the show. You know what, Skip? Thank you for having me, man. You can look at it any way you want to, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about, we we met recently. Um, You joined the board of the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association, uh, which I'm also a member of. And we started having a discussion, and you have a very interesting story. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about your background and really how you got to where you are today. Well, you know what, uh, Skip, as you say, I, I, I guess I do have an interesting story. And, and as I tell people all the time, you know, my story is probably not unlike anybody else's story uh, to a certain degree. I've just been chosen to to share my story on a larger stage or a larger platform, if you will. But but just briefly, as you say, I'm, I'm originally from Vidalia, Georgia, uh, home of the sweet Vidalia onions, the world-renowned sweet Vidalia onions. Uh, born and raised right there. Uh, went to Georgia Southern University, played football after having played only one year of high school football, which was my senior year. 
and I got a full scholarship to go to Georgia Southern, play there, won a couple of national championships, ended up getting drafted in the uh, in the NFL by the Los Angeles Rams uh, as a defensive end. Interesting thing is I didn't play defense uh, in, in college at all, and I got drafted as a defensive end. Played 10 years, uh, Redskins, Rams, New Orleans Saints, and as I mentioned, uh, we'll talk about I won the, uh, the Super Bowl with the Washington Redskins. It would just be the Washington football team, I, I'm sure, going forward. But uh, played defensive end for, for those 10 years and then retired, moved back to Vidalia on some family property, had horses and, and, and all of those good things, had a you know big old pond, five-acre pond or so, and just did some country living. We homeschooled our kids. Uh, and I just was enjoying my, my retirement and, and got into speaking and, and kind of got into to the food industry through, through um, you know, sales and marketing with the, with the company there and, and just kind of, you know, by chance, uh, if you will, um, got started with the sausage, the brand of sausage that we do called Fred Stokes Sausage in 2007. And, um, and, and as they say, the rest is history. Or, or I say, I moved here in 2008 uh, to Orlando with my family. I've got three boys, Lance, Landon, and Luke. Two of those guys, Lance is married, uh, lives in Oklahoma, I mean, uh, in Oakland, California. Uh, they have our first grandbaby, Brooklyn, and Landon, our middle son. He and his wife live here, and they're getting ready to have their their daughter, their first child, uh, Ruth, uh, the 15th of September, and uh, and my third son, Luke, who also lives here in Orlando. He's not married, and he's living a very single life. And so that's the long and short of it. I hope I did. I hope I covered all the bases, and, and if not, we can talk about some things. Well, you just opened up a whole plethora of questions <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, congratulations on being a grandfather. That's awesome. Good for you. Thank you, man. Thank uh, you. So <clears throat> let's talk about... Well, first of all, I want to know more about how did you play college um, playing <laughs> offense and get drafted or get um, signed as defensive end? How does that happen? You know what, Skip? It, it's um, as I tell kids, mostly kids, young guys that are that are playing football and have aspirations of of making it to the big league, so to speak, in NFL. You know, I, I tell them the NFL is looking for athletes. Most of the offensive linemen, not all of those guys, and, and, and a lot of defensive linemen, they, they are 300-plus now. But some of those guys, if you look back in their life story, uh, they played you know, other positions as, as kids, tailback. Some of them might have played receiver. Uh, so they weren't born 350 pounds. And so you know, I was an athlete. I, I could run. I could jump. I, and I was in a slam dunk contest, so I could dunk the ball. Um, I had pretty, really good speed. And I just happened to be playing offensive line because that's what the the uh, the Georgia Southern Eagles, that's what we needed at the time. So also with those two things, the NFL is looking at athletes. And also, you 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 got to be willing to be a team player. And just by me playing offensive tackle, um, it, I think it got a chance to showcase my my talents even more because here I am listed as an offensive tackle, but could run a 4-6, could jump out the gym, and and really was a line, really was a linebacker playing off of the line, and, and I think that's what happened, man. So uh, it, it's hard to explain. <laughs> wow, it's it's funny how things happen. And yeah. well, obviously you were great at what you did, being a Super Bowl champ, and I believe you're one of the finalists uh, as an MVP for that Super Bowl. Were you not? Well, they told me, you know, I, after after I won, I, I really my mind was just focused. <laughs> On the fact that we won, but yeah, some somebody uh, shared with me that that I was one of the four. It was it was myself, Wilbur Marshall, the great linebacker we had, got from Chicago Bears, 
Brad Edwards, I think, had two two uh, uh, picks in that game. And uh, and then, of course, the quarterback, as we always know, uh, the quarterback walks into that game with the Super Bowl, you know, in his hand, so to speak. And he, if he has a somewhat decent game, he's going to usually win the, Super, win the MVP. I can't even. But I was just glad to win the Super Bowl. You know, of course. I can't even imagine that feeling of entering that stadium and, and just the hype around that game and the energy and the crowd and and then finally being crowned the winners. I mean, that just had to have been an amazing feeling. Oh, man. You know what? It was unbelievable. And at that time, I think I had been in the league like six years or so. So I'd been I've been to games. I've been to some huge stadiums. I played in playoff games. I played where the where the intensity and, and, and the stakes were high but nothing like the Super Bowl. I mean, my ritual was before games, and I say ritual, I, I wasn't those superstitious guys who had to put your socks on the same way or wear the same towel or shirt. You know, that has nothing to do with the outcome of the game, but guys believed in it. They did it. They had their, you know, rituals and superstitions. My thing was I would just like to go on the field with my my counterpart, my my partner in crime, so to speak, on the other on the side of the line, Charles Mann, uh, uh, who's probably a future Hall of Famer now, but Charles and I would walk on the field, and, and what you're doing, Skip, is if it's outside in a stadium, you're just getting a feel for the weather, what the turf is going to be like. Should I wear the longer cleats or the shorter cleats? Should I wear uh, another shirt underneath my shoulder pads? All of you gathering all of that information. And when I got to the Super Bowl, I happened to be sitting at my locker getting prepared to do just that, but Charles had already gone out. He came back in all excited, and I heard him tell someone that, Man, this they've got to be twenty or thirty thousand people out there. Now this is like three hours or so or longer before the game. And I'm like, there's never thirty thousand right. people that early. And so without knowing it, man, I, I just were like, he's like, hey Fred, you going with this? And I went, hey, I, I've got to use the restroom. So I, I made some excuse, man. <laughs> I could not go out, man. I, so the first time I saw the crowd and experienced that electric atmosphere was when they were calling us out. Um, you know, to get prepared for the game. I, I I thought I didn't want to mess anything up and get, you know, stage fried and get caught up in the lights, if you will. But after that first hit, man, it's just a regular game. Once I made that first contact, it was like, okay, it's on, baby. Let's do this. I got goosebumps just hearing you talk about that. <laughs> oh, and, you know, I've always, always had this mindset too. I used to be an entertainer years ago. And when you get in the motion of things, when you start doing something, you almost block out the audience. You almost, you know, they're almost, um, they're not there. You, you, you do, they are there, but you, you're in your moment doing what you do. It, do you experience the same thing in a, in a game like that? Are you just so you're, focused you can't hear or see anything? You're, you're exactly right, man. You do zone out and it's, and it's almost like uh, selective hearing because you're zoning out for a moment. And then when you make a big play or something, it's like the crowd is writing right there on the field. I mean, they're, they're surrounding you, man. I, I remember making sacks and not just in that game. I had a, a thank God I had a great game, but I remember even in RFK uh, before it was FedEx, before they moved to FedEx field, you know, you get a sack. We're playing against the Cowboys or, or, or the, the Giants or Philadelphia, one of our NFC rivals. And initially, you just you just doing your thing, but when you get a sack, Skip, and it's like I'm getting goosebumps now myself. But it's like you hear that roar, and it just man, it's it's like taking a a cortisone shot or something, or, or taking a, a a boost of energy. It's amazing how. So you're right; it does compare with being an entertainer. But I, I like to just term it as selective hearing, if you will. Nice, nice, very cool. I love that story. That that's awesome to hear that firsthand experience. 
Now, I got to ask you, so you had this amazing football career. We met through the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association. Where the heck is the connection there? Where did you go? How did you go from football to sausage? I, I Please explain. I'm, I'm very curious. You know what? Again, these are things, and I, and I, I speak all over the country, and, and I speak to a lot of different groups, organizations, um, youth groups as well. And a lot of what I talk about in, in that question, Skip, is to, to young people is you never know who you're going to meet and where. And so you always, you got to be consistently you, as I say, you know, not be fake or phony and, and trying to match your audience or the crowd or the environment you're in. If you're consistently you and, and, and that's satisfactory, you're inevitably going to run into somebody who can take advantage of or maximize your talents, if you will. And so I get out of the NFL I'm back home. I'm doing some things and I'm speaking and, and so forth. And I get connected with a friend of mine. Uh, their family owned Bur- Bubba Burgers at the time. And so just us being friends, we played football together, George said, and we got connected there. And I just got I, I just fell into it, man. I went to a couple of uh, sales calls with him. And I say the bug bit me, if you will, because I enjoyed and still enjoy, as you as you may be able to tell, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy interacting with people. I, I, I love you know, that part of my life. And and that came through as we went to those sales calls. Uh, speed up, fast forward a few years later, he's working for another company out of Oklahoma. They're doing some military stuff. I ended up going to a food show with the military and, and getting connected with Bo Jackson, Hershey Walker, Franco Harris, who those guys were already in the industry. And Franco is probably one of the larger ones that's doing it and been doing it for the longest. Um, and I just, I mean, I went from there and I did that for about five years, traveled all over the world with that company in sales and marketing, just strictly to the military. So I've gone to a lot of military bases. Um, and and thereafter, when I just kind of at that time and was like, you know, I'm done. I got a call from another friend of mine who knew what I was doing and said, hey, let's partner uh, and, and create some sausage. And then he could have said chicken or bacon or or shrimp or, or salad dressing. As long as it's good to eat, think, right? It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that's right. So so you know, what I'm saying is I didn't have that on my mind. It wasn't like my, you know, one year, five year, 10 year plan. I was just doing what I enjoyed doing. And that was connecting with people. Because my personal mission statement, Skip, is to positively enhance the life of every person that I meet. That's, that is a great mantra to have. And you know, you talk about, you know, you like talking to people. Never would have guessed that, Fred. <laughs> no, but that's how we met. And it's true testament for who you are. It doesn't matter who you're talking to. You treat everybody special and you make them feel important. And that, that is a very great characteristic to have. You know what it is. And, and I, I, you know what, I think it's more or less kind of the, some people may call it the golden rule, but you know, you treat people like you want to be treated. And and I feel like I can only be responsible for my attitude, my actions. Um, and so if I speak to you, if I if I'm kind to you and you're and you don't reciprocate that or you don't give that back, um, you know, I can't control that. It used to bother me. But I but I but as I've grown and I've known and some of the things I do in some of my presentations, you can only control you. You can only be responsible for your actions and, 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 and what you do, your integrity, your character. And, and let the chips fall where they may. So that's that's my attitude. That's my approach. And it, and it helps me to, to to minimize my stress level, man, when I do it that way. <laughs> Another thing you pointed out to me in our previous conversation is, you know, everything you've done in life, nothing happens by accident. And you've, you've got yeah. several interesting stories to relate to that. Well, you know what? It, it is, man. And so it's like all of my... And so when, you, when when I get those questions about, hey, how did you get here? And 
you know, how did this happen and, and those type things. It's like, you know, going back to the initial question you asked me about, hey, tell me your story. It's like the only reason I played high school football, I, I played, I was, a, I was a really good athlete. I mean, I played basketball, I ran track and all those things. So I was a good athlete. Um, but I just chose not to play football. And, and when I did play football my senior year, it was only because it was my senior year. Some of my friends and buddies had played before and, and they were really good and going to Georgia Tech and Clemson and all these places that we had some scouts coming down. But I just thought, you know what? It's my senior year. I played basketball all these years. I played, I ran track. And really, to be honest with you, it was just another bar on my on my Letterman's jacket. <laughs> that was and next thing you know, I get a full scholarship to go to college. Go figure. Uh, and so if you looked at me in the 10th grade and say, at our high school, and I said, who do you think would be in the NFL? And somebody suggested Fred Stokes. They go, heck, Fred doesn't even play football. You know, and, and, and like with the sausage, uh, meeting my wife. Yeah, I met my wife because the NFL went on strike in 1987 and I, and I wasn't making that much money. Matter of fact, I was only making about $35,000 or $45,000 at the time. Uh, I know they're making gazillions now, but the NFL went on strike. I didn't have enough money to maintain that lifestyle in L.A., so I flew back to Georgia, ended up meeting my wife. Uh, that was 32 years ago. We've been married for 30 years. So it's that kind of stuff. And I know there are people who will be listening to this podcast, Kip, that hopefully some of what you and I talk about resonate with them and, and kind of can go, oh, well, that's my story. And, and you know what I'm saying? And encourage them and inspire them to keep going. When you talk about the NFL going on strike, it just brought the memories back of the movie The Replacements. I love that movie. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're talking about doing this, you're touring all over the world. So you also mentioned some pretty big names in football. I mean, was there an entire circuit for this? It sounds like you were almost a celebrity endorser or you're the door opener for this, for this business to profit from. Yeah, that's mainly what I was doing at the time because I knew nothing about the product initially. Um, my, my friend and former teammate was like, Hey, uh, he, he was the sales guy. He was the knowledgeable, you know, price points, you know, shipping costs, slotting fees, all of the technical jargon. That's what he knew. I just knew people. I knew I enjoyed being around people and he caught on to that from my time that we were traveling up and down the road doing those sales calls with this, with this family business. And so he just, he's just like, Hey man, I'll pay you like you're, like you're doing a speaking engagement. And he put me in touch with the, uh, put me on the same team as the decision maker for the entire base. Uh, that guy was friends with Emmett Smith's da dad. So we got to talking about Redskins and Cowboys. And there was just some commonalities of some, you know, some fun jostling around about, I hate the Cowboys and Redskins. And next thing you know, he's asking about or inquiring about the product that, I, that we have. And I knew just enough about the product to be dangerous. It was a uh, their their signature item was a Philly steak and cheese. I learned and grew more about the product and pricing and all those things. But initially, it was just me doing what I do uh, and being kind and being generous and 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 having fun uh, with the with the guy with no with no ulterior motive, with no you know not trying to get this guy to buy anything. I just went in and played golf and just was myself, and and that's how I got where I am now in terms of the product and all the years I spent uh, in sales and marketing with that company. Processing more than 7 million jobs a month for customers in 44 countries, Cobalt Iron delivers modern enterprise-grade data backup for growing businesses. With built-in cybersecurity and ransomware protection, Cobalt Iron's award-winning backup is your last line of defense for saving and protecting your precious data. For more information, visit skipkimple.com forward slash cobalt. That's skipkimple.com forward slash cobalt. You know, you talk about all these these players that you were, you're touring with. You 
we're in a time of some very iconic football players. And I have mm-hmm. to ask to you, what was the most impressive football player you met? Who were you? Were you ever starstruck by anybody? Um, <laughs> I don't know if it was starstruck, but, but I, I was a, I was a, and still enjoy watching because I, I love defense. And, and that's just not because I play defense. I, I like defense and enjoy a good defensive game uh, in college football, even high school. And so I was a big time Steelers fan back in the day. So I, for you Cowboys fans that are listening to this podcast, I've always disliked the Cowboys. But <laughs> anyway, Ouch. Um, I, I grew up, I grew up, um, my, my, <laughs> Football player who I always watched and I idolized was Roger Staubach. So, well, um, well you know I'm, what? That was the rivalry with the with the Steelers and the and the Cowboys. Yes. And so, to your question, I don't know know if I was more starstruck or, or just in awe of the of the size of Franco Harris. I'd never seen him in person, and and you know I played in I had played in the league. I played with Barry Sanders, Emmitt Smith. Uh, you know, I played with a lot of great running backs. Um, um, and, and so having to see, uh, Franco Harris, uh, I remember meeting him out in, out in, uh, uh, Houston and I mean, not Houston, we were in San Antonio at a food show. And when I saw that dude, Skip, I was like, Oh my God, you know, he was as big. <laughs> you weren't going to mess with him. I'm assuming. No, no. And I played against Bo Jackson. I played against Herschel Walker. Uh, you know, those guys. And I guess if I would have played against Franco, it would have been the same. Cause when you're on the field, going back to your entertainment, analogy you just everything just zone out it's like hey i'm big he's big okay he's running the ball i'm taking him to the ground um but just standing there in our street clothes i, I guess it didn't dawn on me how, how big franco was but one of the nicest guys he helped me out a lot in the food industry uh, but that's probably because uh, starstruck i can't say legitimately that i was starstruck with anybody and i played against some great quarterbacks great receivers jerry rice one of the all-time greats montana marino you know, all of those, Jim Kelly, a lot of those guys, Troy Aitman. Um, and so, but, but it was just amazing to see how big Franco was. <laughs> it's gotta be a little intimidating at times. I, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I can't even imagine some of those names that you just mentioned. I can't imagine playing against them, being on the other side of the line. That's uh that, that also has to be pretty Im- Im- intense. Earlier you had spoke about doing speaking engagements. Um, what are some of the topics that you, you talk about, you know, I'm assuming you have some, some tracks that you go out there and um, move forward with. Maybe you can talk about some of that. Well, you know, thank you. Um, what I do now, I used to, I used to speak when I was back in Georgia, I've been in Orlando and Orlando and my family and I since 2008. And like I said, all the boys are out and gone. And I do a lot of, a lot more or a lot less middle school and high school uh, presentations, even though they still come up. Uh, and so I would kind of, uh, and I still do, cater my message and my presentation to, to fit the audience at hand. Uh, if I'm speaking to corporate America, I still have my core message, who I am. I'm Fred Stokes, born to a teenage girl in Vidalia, Georgia, and grew up a country boy and all of those things. That doesn't change. But I, I like to know from the organization, what mark would you want me to hit? Are you dealing with uh, your, your you know, employees, um, their mindset? Are you dealing with uh, tension? Are you dealing with separation among departments? Or if it's a high school, are you dealing with, um, you know, what are your plans for the future? Staying focused, you know, all of those things. But but now, uh, I, I I my my main uh, presentation that I that I focus on now, Skip, is is managing change and minimizing stress. So our overarching theme is is mastering change. 
Well, that's got to be a hot topic right now. I mean, everybody is managing change and dealing with stress to the point that we haven't had to deal with it before. Obviously, there's always been stress around, but I think more people are being exposed to it and don't know really how to handle that. They really don't, and we don't. And and and, and I, I experienced this myself. A lot of things I talk about, it's it's from it's from uh, my self experience. And you know, I'm not telling you, as my dad used to say when he was alive, he was a pastor, and he'd say, "Son, I'm not telling you what I heard or read. I'm telling you what I lived and experienced." And a lot of times, uh, and I've gotten emotional doing some of my presentations just because I'm sharing some of those things when you talk about managing change and minimizing stress. But I've been. I've been stressed. I've been, I've had an anxiety attack. You know, I've been pushed to the edge of life. And so, you know, telling people how to, in, in a sense, the, the process and the steps and some of the systems you can use that that are beneficial and that applicable to your life now that you can take advantage of, it is. And, and one thing I found out to that point is about 75 to 85% of all doctor's office can be traced back to some level of stress. Well, that's actually a perfect segue into what I want to ask you next, because I know you've got a foundation. I would like you to talk about that and, and tell us really, you know, why why does this foundation exist? Again, it's called that that foundation organization is called Lent Brother, L I N T Brother B R O T H E R Lent Brother, and the Lent is an acronym for Life I Never Tell. It's focused uh, on men, 100% on men, even though women have to deal with this too, but 100% of men. And our, and our core focus, in essence, is, is the emotional state of men, is that our, our core focus is to see men emotionally free from the, from the issues of life that try to keep them in bondage so that they can walk in victory and freedom. And so, again, I've been there. When I talk about being to the edge of life, Skip, I've been at the point of suicide once in my life at that point. And, and, and I've been asked questions by psychologists and different people I've spoken with and companies and, and, and NFL doing their, when they do their, our physicals It's like, no, it was a one-off, but I'd been there and I know what that feels like. And I had three houses. I just signed a multi-million dollar contract with the Los Angeles Rams. Um, we had won the Super Bowl. I had two kids, two beautiful kids, my boys, Lance and Landon, and I was at the edge of life. And, and, and thank God I didn't do it a few years later we moved to St. Louis and my third son, Luke Frazier Stokes was born. Uh, and, 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 and a lot of times I would do presentations or talk about him and it would just jack me up because, you know, I didn't see him in my future. And, and so when you talk about our Lent brother organization, it says life I never tell. And every man talks about all the issues except for the deep Lent in the pocket of his life. So there's a parallel. The Lent in your pocket is deep down in the crevice of your pocket where you pull out all the change, all your keys, your wallet, your everything, you know, different things, business cards, but they're still lent in the deep down in the crevices of your pocket. And men are the same way. We talk about all kinds of things, but we don't talk about the life we never tell, which really in essence is what pushes over the cliff. Cause we're men and it's a weakness, right? To show your emotions. Yeah, um, that's what we've been taught. I mean, yeah. I'm six, four. I don't weigh as much as I used to. I, I played football in the NFL at two, 275, 280. And and I used to tell my boys and I and they've seen me cry. And I'm not saying every man has has to cry, but but as a child, uh, I need to see that dad doesn't always have it in control. As 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 one of your employees, and I'm working for you and, and Skip, you're my supervisor, you're my boss, you're the president, VP, or whoever. And it seems like you always have it together, and you come down on me because I don't. It's like I wish I could be like you because you always have it together. 
So if people want to learn more about this foundation um, or they need help, I mean, what, what's your suggestion to them? Where do they go online? What, they can, what can they do? They can look at our website. It's netbrother.com. Um, and if there's a real dire uh, need immediately, we have a, a 1-800 number on there for suicide helpline. Um, but when you look at our website, you're going to see that there's you know, real things on there that we talk about. And we're, and we're moving the dial to the point where we're, we're creating, you know, processes and systems um, and, and providing tools and resources so that men can, you know, have uh, tangible results. And we recently started, we're five, are we in the process of getting our 501c3? So I would recommend taking a look at our website, lentbrother.com. Um, you can also reach out to me. My number is on there. My email is on there. And um, I, I'm, I'm like, well, Skip, you've talked. I'm willing to talk. I don't know how this is going to help and what you and I are going to do with this, the Tech Chef podcast. I do cook a little bit. I know a little bit about technology. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully somebody's listened to this. Your audience can say, wow, um, you know, I got something out of, you know, Skip and Fred's conversation. Yeah. And, you know, when we first started talking and I started to hear your story and, and just your background and just met you as a person while this is nothing to do with technology, it is so important to tell the story. Not only you have a lot of inspiration in, in what you do, and and it, it, it your passion is a, is uh, infectious, and certainly the cause that you're doing through the foundation is amazing. And I thank you very much much for doing that. Um, I, mean, I think people struggle with the fact that. You know, they're always saying, oh, if I if I only had this, if I only had that, if I only had more money, if I if I only won a Super Bowl, um, you know, my life would be better. But they don't understand you had everything and you still went through this. And, you know, on the the flip side of that, you know, reducing that negativity, I would love to hear from you. What is the most rewarding experience of your life that you've had? Wow. Oh, now you're going to pull your Oprah Winfrey uh, I am. question out. <laughs> <laughs> I promise the questions will be more fun after this. Oh, my God. Um, the most we do that again? You hit me with that. The, <laughs> I, did, I didn't pre-warn you about this. The most rewarding experience that you've had in your life. Oh, my God. Um, so you, you have, you've had too many. It's hard to even yeah, well, pick one well, out, you know right? I, <laughs> I, I, there have been some, but I think this... this uh, this beats them all. This at the at the top of the chart is the the birth uh, and being in that room uh, of my first son, Lance. Um, my dad and mom never married, and now you're trying to get my jacked up emotionally. But my dad <laughs> never they never married, uh, even though I got an opportunity to spend some real real quality time, and, and he and I just became inseparable the last 15 years of his life. But but I didn't grow up with my dad, and being in that that room and seeing Lance birth and holding that little joker in my hand. Um, it, wow. It, oh man, goodness. Okay. Let's move on. Question. Okay. Question. All right. All right. Okay. I, we're moving on. Uh, let, yes. let, all right. Let's flip that. Oh, let's talk, go back to your football real quick. Uh, what's your most famous play? Oh, my most famous play. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, I would say, um, Probably um, to me in my mind, it, it, it's not one that sticks out in, in the stands. But I had a battle with Jim, Jumbo Elliott, and, and Jumbo Elliott played a, a left tackle for the for the uh, uh, New York Giants. Probably a Hall of Famer, awesome guy, uh, but a really great football player. And I remember one Monday night we were playing, and my brother-in-law called me after the game and said, "Hey, John Madden mentioned you on TV," and I go, "Cool." 
and this is early in my year with the Redskins. He said, yeah, John Bo Elliott pancaked you. And, and, and John Mitch, I was like, what? And so uh, I, I worked hard, you know, got, got stronger, got better in the league. And we were playing those guys in RFK. Uh, Parcells was coaching. Phil Sims was the quarterback. And it was fourth down, Skip. And, and they ran to Jumbo's side. And I jammed that dude, man, and jacked him up. And here come my partners. And cry. I'm talking about, dude, it was, oh, my God. It was like, yes. Nice. And, and from then on, it was like I arrived. He and I had some battle, battles. He went to the New York Jets after that. I think I went back to the Rams. And we still made it. But that was one that nobody really saw. You know what I'm saying? You want to say a sack or interception or something. But, uh, you know, I'm sorry. That was... <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story well you've done so yeah. much in your life you, you, i mean you probably have countless plays going through your head i gotta ask you <laughs> this though uh here's another surprise question what is something that you've never been able to do well something that and i love it is play the bass guitar okay i love the bass guitar. Matter but fact, you're not I good at it i'm not good at you know why because i haven't put in the necessary work uh-huh. um and I, and I can play you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so I can play some of the one, four, five stuff. I play a little bit of the country music because it's some of the basic chords. But that thing has. So I just recently bought another bass guitar. I'm looking at it as we speak. And uh, that one thing is I'm not good at yet. I'll say that yet. <laughs> well, you know, the old saying, you probably know it all too well. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now you've gone from open way free to my coach. So I, know. I got you, coach. I know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you. you know, as we face this interesting time that we're in right now, you know, unprecedented. What do you see for the outlook of, of the food and beverage industry? Do you see this thing getting better? Do you see it um, happening overnight? Or is it going to be a long, long time, do you think, uh, before we kind of get back to normal? I don't think we'll ever get back to what we what we knew as normal. And, and you've heard this word, the term new, new normal. There's going to be a difference. There's going to be a difference in the way we do business, the way we do life, uh, the way we treat people um, and, and, and our expectations in terms of uh, of the service you render and, and receive. I mean, and so I, I do think that there are companies out there that in the food and beverage industry that won't be around. But I also, too, think that there are companies who was looking for a breath of fresh air um, who maybe have an opportunity to move in a different location, uh, move in a different um, when I say location, mean another building or somewhere that they might couldn't have afforded. Um, but but they're going to be people are going to be grasping for uh, some sense of normalcy and uh, they're going to be opportunities. I think also, too, in that same vein. There are people who are going to change change industries. They've been wanting to get out because I, I forget the number. I knew that it's a statistic that I knew. There's a very high number of people that are working in jobs that they don't just dislike. They literally hate them. And now that they've been furloughed and out, um, they're going to take advantage of this time and say, you know what? I'm not going back to that stress. I'm not going back to that, you know, that that dead end spot. I'm going to try something different. So I think we're going not just to a new normal. I think we're just going to go to a whole different way of of doing business and, 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 and our expectations as well. Yeah, I agree. You hear both sides of the coin on this because I think a lot of people obviously have a hard time accepting the fact that we're not going to go back to you know yeah. life as it was. Yeah. But it, yeah. it may, but I, I do believe there's a long-lasting effect to what we just went through. And perfect yeah. example, and this can be a yes-no answer from you because okay. some, somehow things have gotten way political, but I just want to hear from you. 
football season is coming up. Are we going to be playing football and watching football or not? In the NFL, I would say yes. In college, to a certain degree, I'd say no. I, you know what worries me is that, I, of course, we all want to see football, but um, the season starts, we get into it, you know, the, everybody's got their matchups. And then, you know, just like baseball, they had to cancel a few games and that's going to completely mess up any type of playoffs or anything like that. I just see it being a really, really big mess. Do I want to see it? Absolutely. Am I going to have to go buy it back to my Xbox to actually play this year? <laughs> More than likely. <laughs> Well, you know what? To a certain degree, I think of it as as, as 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 legitimately being patriotic, if you will, to say, hey, we need a sport. We need people to have, again, the word you use, some sense of normalcy uh, in, in being able to watch their sports sit out on a Sunday afternoon or Monday night or, or Thursday night or Saturday afternoon and watch watch sports. Um, but I think in some cases it's unfair to the to the young men in college and the men, the grown men and the pros to their families um, because you got to make money. You want to make money. You got to provide for your family in terms of the pros, but it's also, it could be a life and death decision because nobody knows what this virus is turning, where, you know, what is it going to do? It's just too many unknowns. I'm just so thankful that all I had to do was give you a yes or no answer on this podcast. <laughs> not have to be a- <laughs> no, I would never ask you to go deep. That's great. Great. Um, great insight on that. And I'm, I'm pretty much aligned with you. So, Fred, thank you so much for joining me today. Great story. I, I know my listeners are going to love to hear this, but you got to promise me next time I see you, you got to let me wear your ring just so I can get a picture. <laughs> hey, listen at you. Now you've gotten all of this information and then you ask about the ring. You should have put that out front. It might have been a shorter interview. <laughs> exactly. I'm not stupid no, here. Come good, on. <laughs> No, man, Skip, you're good, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate this opportunity. And again, I do hope your listeners found something in this podcast that, again, they can connect with. Wow, that was great. Fred, thanks so much for taking the time to speak to our listeners and really motivate us. Your story is truly inspirational. Well, we are back to our regular schedule next week, and it looks like we are going to be able to release the White Castle episode after all that I told you about. They have a great story to tell, combined with a pretty darn big technology announcement. You will hear all about it right from the source as I talk to rock star Susan Carol Bozer, who's the VP of Technology, and Mike Guinan, the Vice President of Operations Services. And you are going to hear it right here, right on this show very exciting. I can't wait until next Tuesday. So until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends. (laughs) 